(laughs) Praise God. 1 John chapter 3 tonight, 1 John chapter 3. Uh, you know, when we were, we were just recently in conference and had a number of people go with us this time. It was really, it was a good conference. It was just really pretty solid for every one of us. Every message seemed to hit home. You feel a real expectation coming into not just a new year, but a new decade. And it was just, a, there really was a supernatural, if you will, dimension of expectation for what God wants to do and he's going to do starting this year and the years to come. I really do believe uh, God is moving and on the move. I, I realize our world, our nation, probably is going a certain direction that very ungodly, but you know, at the same time, God is going the other direction and he's touching lives, amen. Because sin, sin does its d- devastation in people's lives. They can say what they want to say, uh, but... Um, you know, God's, God's on the throne. And I'm believing God for great things. But you know what? With all that aside, uh, it doesn't change the fact that we face difficulties. You know what I'm saying? It's like 2020 is going to be the best year ever. That, but that doesn't mean that there's not going to be issues that we're going to face and difficulties that we're going to face. Living for God is living for God. Amen. And I think what will help us, and that's what we're preaching tonight, what will help us that in 2020, we need to live as the beloved. Living as the beloved. Very interesting thought as we look at this this evening. 1 John chapter 3, we're going to read the first three verses. It says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. In other words, this is ridiculous. Children of God. It's amazing. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Amen. Living as the beloved tonight. So let's consider that, amen. Because this is something that we can believe. We can believe that we're loved by God. You know, God is love, and we have that concept, amen, that, uh, you know, God loves us. But without a real sense of that, amen, um, idea, you're not, we don't live like we're beloved of God. No matter what goes on in my life or what's happening, what roadblock I hit, what things that are hard for me, you know, I know God loves me. Over the years, personally, I've, I've, I've laid hold of that concept. I don't see things happening in my life and go, God must be upset with me. But that's not biblical. You know, you see what I'm saying? And I know there's a balance there. Don't get me wrong. But that's not a biblical concept. The fact is God loves me. And so that helps me in whatever I'm facing. That helps me in whatever I do. If I don't do things correctly or if I'm not doing things right or things are not happening right, I know one thing. That's the foundation of my salvation is 
God in heaven loves me. John addresses the believers as beloved. It means that he loves them, but it's way beyond that. We are beloved, or beloved, I should say, of God. Our relationship with God is as the beloved, amen. Again, behold what great love the Father has lavished on us, a new NIV, I believe, that we should be called the children of God. That word beloved in the Greek, if you look at it, it means worthy of love. So when God looks at us, it's not that he just loves us out of pity because we're hopeless. No, you're worthy of love. He looks at you as you are worthy to be loved. You're a, it, it can also mean favorite. I might be a more favorite than you, but that's... <laughs> That's how confident I am. <laughs> Just kidding. Look at what Jesus says, what God says of Jesus. Remember when he was being baptized. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And when we read that, we're like, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? We look at Jesus and he goes, absolutely, he's well pleased. But, you know, salvation, what salvation means because of the cross we are redeemed and we stand in Christ. So really, there's no difference between God saying that to Jesus and him saying that to us. It's literally the same word that Jesus is my beloved son. But when he says that to you and I, he says the same thing. You are his beloved son, not only begotten, you are beloved sons and daughters as well, simply because uh, of who we are in Jesus Christ. The same love that he has for Jesus, he has for us. He loves us with the same love that he loves Jesus. That's what I'm trying to say. And it's incredible if you think about it. You know, the reality is, the seed of God is in us. Listen to what it says in 1 John 3, 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning because God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. So when you see people that just keep on sinning, I always question, is the seed of God there? Well, I went to the altar. Okay. But you know, when I went to the altar and left, I had a real hatred for sin. I had a hatred for cussing. I had a hatred for things. Immediately, it was like something happened to me. It's like... Why is people cussing? Like, duh, you know. But the whole thing was the seed of God was planted in me. And that's what he's trying to say there, that part of his DNA, we, we, we resemble each other. It's kind of like your kids, you know. You ever, you ever marvel when your kids look at your, people look at your kids? He just looks just like you. Me and my wife always have this whole battle, you know, because we have two kids that kind of look like me, fair, you know, the complexion, and we have two that look like her, but you know what, every time they, people cross them, they'll say to my, about my son, Jeff, he looks just like his father, my wife goes, are you kidding me, <laughs> <laughs> but the funny thing is, isn't it funny that people see the resemblance of us parents in our children, well, that's true with God. That when you get saved, his 
DNA's in you. And there's a resemblance there. Living as the beloved or loved children of God. Hebrews chapter 11, 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen. And so you and I are to... Uh, we're embraced by faith, amen, uh, in, you know, in this reality here. So in 2020, we need to enter in as the beloved. That's your status, in other words. That's the foundation of your relationship with God. He loved you. That's why the Bible says, for God so loved the world. And I know it's almost like a cliche because we've heard that scripture for years. But if you break it down and just stop for a moment, that's the foundation of our salvation, for God so loved. That's the only reason why I'm here. That's the only reason why, you know, I haven't been removed from the planet for some stupid mistake or my stupid sin, because he loves me. He loves me. That's the foundation of my relationship with God. You know, I think about Jacob. Jacob worked seven years for Rachel. He loved Rachel. He, he loved her enough to work. I mean, I, I try to put myself in those shoes. It's like seven years. And it's not even my wife yet, right? It's like she doesn't even, seven years, I'll work for seven years. The Bible says it was like it was seven days to this guy. He loved her. You know, Jesus loved the church. He gave himself for the church before there really was, if you will, a church. He died for a church that really, in reality, didn't really kind of get launched until the day of Pentecost. He loved the church that much. And so, even though we might go into 2020 with great expectation, you need to go into 2020 with, you know what, I'm loved of God. I serve a God who loves me. Amen. And whatever you face, whatever you deal with, whatever expectation that you have going into this year, if, if it gets, you know, um, diverted or it doesn't happen or it just doesn't work out, let me tell you something. God loves you. That's where our security is at. That's where our, it's like, you know what? God's got something for me. He loves me even though maybe my expectations might not be being met. What I'm hoping for and what I'm wishing for, what I'm really wanting might not be unfolding, but you know what? I know that right now as God looks at my life, he loves me. He cares for me. And I know he has great things for me because of that love alone. And base it on scripture. Don't base it on how you feel. Okay? You base it on the word of God. You know, well, I don't really feel loved. Okay. You know, sometimes I don't feel human. You know, you're, that doesn't change anything. You know, you know what I mean? You get up in the morning, it's like, it's like, I don't feel human. Well, you are human, so relax. Let's look secondly at the dignity that is not seen. Lonely Despair of American Males is the title of this small article. It's kind of sad. It says the last 20 years has seen a dramatic increase in the suicides of white middle-class men in the western half of the United States, primarily in rural areas. 
poverty, isolation are key factors, and the access, the availability of guns as well. But they went on to say they recorded 1.4 million total attempts and 47,173 suicides nationally in 2017. So the white men account for 70% of all cases, which is about 33,000. The highest rates are in Montana, Alaska, Wyoming, New Mexico, Idaho, and Utah. Well, we're a little safe there. <laughs> Man. Loneliness, the kind of a lost sense of value. You know, often we're dependent on other people to bring value to our lives, what other people think. A lot of times just, you know, what life, what happens, you know what I'm saying? Uh, what happens in life, you know, everything must be going well, so you know, everything is good, and when things go bad, you know, then we kind of take on that as well. Kind of our worth gets, gets dictated many times by how people affirm us. But, you know, um, you can't expect people to provide that for you and I in the face of the reversals of life. There's a dignity, there's a confidence that endures the hits of life and is found in what I'm talking about this evening. The fact that we are loved in the beloved, amen. There's a reality that has to be lived when we're facing just the opposite, if you know what I'm saying. In our text, once again, it says, therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Now we are children of God and it has not, been yet, not yet been revealed what we shall be. So what the world sees and what the world is looking at, uh, you know, how we view ourselves and fall short. The Bible says that's beside the point. This is who you are. You are loved in God. You are the beloved of God. Amen. That's the ground that we stand upon. I don't find my worth and what's going on in my life. If everything is falling apart, it's like I must be a jerk or something is wrong with me. It's like, no, I'm loved by God. Why is this happening? Why is that happening? You're loved by God. That's the truth you stand upon. That's the foundation, amen. Not your failed expectations. Not what you think should be happening and it's not happening. It helps me knowing that I'm not always doing everything right sometimes or failing sometimes. But I know, you know, it's like your children. You know, sometimes you don't like your children. But you always love them. No, you really do. I mean, you can't take that away. It's like they're part of me. There's a, there's a connection. There's a DNA here. I, I'll always love you. But right now, I just don't like you very much because of your actions and what you're doing. I will always love you, though. See, the reality of living as the beloved takes into account what doesn't really appear. You know, love is, it's just, now we're talking about, we're not talking about earning this love. It's not a performance. It's not, you know, it's not this fear that says God's not pleased with me. Now I know we're, we're supposed to live in a God-pleasing way. I don't take that away, Amen. But pleasing, my pleasing God doesn't change his love for me. Do you understand that? In other words, he doesn't look and say, you know what, this is my star pupil. You know, this is my star 
star little human on planet Earth. But it's not, that's not what the love is based upon. The love is based upon God himself. He loves me because of who he is, not because of my performance. I'm not taken away from living for God. I'm not taken away. I'm not, you know, you know some people will feel like, well, you know, aren't we, we, we should please. No, I'm not trying to please God to gain his love. He loves me, and because he loves me, it's from that foundation that I try to please God. I, I, it might, I might not always please God, but it doesn't change his love for me. His love, again, is based on himself. Some people feel like, you know, you, well, that could be out of balance. Well, you know, the other, the other side of the coin is we need to fear God. So you need to do right, stay away from sin. I understand that. But at the end of the day, I'm loved by God. John 3, 20 and 21, later on in this same chapter, for if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. It's right here. It's right here. God loves me. I have a confidence towards a God who loves me. What we do for God, how we live for God, is as sons and daughters of God. Amen. We don't, again, don't do it for his love. We do it because of his love. It helps me. Amen. When I step out for God. Amen. I don't have to fear failure. I don't have to fear these things because, you know, whether I face some failures or not, if I, you know, I face my shortcomings. Every once in a while, you look in the mirror and you, you're not too happy with yourself sometimes. But you know, God loves me. I'm, I am secure in God's love. And my failure, God's not frowning. Obviously, God deals with sin and such, but he's not frowning on me because I'm not keeping up. You know, I'm, I'm making him look bad. It's not true. God loves me because of who he is, once again. It's interesting because, you know, it says that it doesn't appear what we shall be. In other words, what that means is I'm not a finished product yet. God is still working on me. And if I live for another 30 years, I could probably stand here and say the same thing 29 and a half years from now. God's still working on me. Because I'll tell you what, uh, that scripture, it, it kind of gives you the whole idea that God knows you're a work in progress and that he still loves you. That 10 years from now, even though I might progress a little bit, but I'm not where what I should be, he still loves me. 20 years from now, he's still going to love me. 29 and a half years, God's going to say, you know what, I still love you. But God, I'm not, I know. You're not, you not yet appear what we shall be, amen. We're not finished yet, beloved. See, the foundation for life lived for God is based upon his love. Ephesians 3, 16 through 19, that we, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through the Holy Spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, 
may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, the, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. It's a revelation by the Spirit of God, amen, that makes this real, makes it very real, that God loves you no matter what. And I don't know about you, thirdly, that gives me great hope. That God loves me. That I know that no matter what I'm going through or what I'm facing, I know in the mix there's a God who looks down from heaven and he cares. He loves and he cares. He overlooks my life. He overshadows my life all the time because he loves me. He loves me. Don't you pay attention. Look at Jacob. He couldn't get his eyes off of Rachel. He loved her. Seven years. He's working for Rachel. He's got his eyes peeled on that girl. Like, you know what? I'll work for seven years. That's what he worked. He looked at the prize. Oh, God's just like you. That's just like God. You're in his sight. He loves you. Portland homeless man. Surprise, surprise. Facing criminal charges was given a chance of redemption by looking at life through the perspective of the person he targeted. Harold Eugene Denson III <laughs> faced two criminal charges for his role in an incident with a Ukrainian immigrant. Denson approached the immigrant, spat in his face, threatened him with a knife, and told him to go back to his own country. Consequently, he was charged with unlawful use of a weapon, secondary assault, which is classified as a hate crime under Oregon law. However, by pleading no contest to both charges, the judge was willing to remove the bias charge. Denson could submit a 500-word essay that focuses on the experiences of Eastern European immigrants. What that all means. Multnomah <laughs> 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 County Judge Christopher Ramras Ram Ram said, what I'm asking you to do is to put yourself into their shoes. District Attorney Nicole Herman, I think I've met her, said uh, she hopes the re report helps Denson better understand many of the struggles and the difficulties that people who come from other countries go through when they move to this country and have lived side by side with people who are sometimes not as friendly or kind as they can be. Denson was grateful for the judge's offer. And the question is, will it make it, a, is it going to really make a difference in how he treats other people, you know? <laughs> What is our hope as we enter into 220? Is that we can be different, amen. What do we balance, you know, what do we base our confidence in? Usually I think by the third Monday, I think the third, I preached on this years ago, I think the third Monday of January is called Blue Monday. I don't know if you remember that sermon. Probably not, but that's okay. It's usually around the time, right around here, Blue Monday, that everybody, Everybody realizes that their New Year's resolutions are already, <laughs> already under the bus. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, they already blew all the resolutions. <laughs> Amen. But the hope of what we have is a hope of transformation. In other words, our text says it does not yet appear what we shall be. That when we see him, we shall be like him. In other words, everything that's not like Jesus is going to like fall off. Can you imagine that? 
No, you can't. I neither can I. <laughs> and we're going to be changed and we're going to be transformed. When we see him, the Bible, amen, says. But you see, right, that's not happening right. Right now, we're beholding him. Right now, amen, we're, just, we're to behold him as in a mirror, the Bible says. And so we, we're, we're to behold him to see something of Jesus right now, something of the Father's love right now, amen. In other words, uh, th this, this is going to have the transforming effect. As we look into the mirror, amen, we become what we fix ourselves on, what we behold. That right now, the hope is that I'm being transformed, that I'm being changed, amen, all based upon the love of God, that we're being changed by beholding how God, we're loved by God. You see, the love of God moves us toward transformation. It moves that process forward. And God is honored when we believe him. Amen. And we also, he's honored when we believe that he loves us. It's so important. You know, that's what the devil tries to do, doesn't he? That's one of his uh, 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 assaults, is God doesn't care. What did he tell Eve? I mean, that's, that's, that's pattern. That's first mention. Talking to Eve, oh, God God's not, doesn't have your best interest in at hand. He really doesn't care much about you like you think he cares about you. That's a bald-faced lie. He assaulted the very love of God for that woman. And the devil will assault the love of God in your mind when you're going through it, when you're taking a hit. Well, if God loves me, then why is this going on? Listen, you've got to reverse it. You've got to have a revelation tonight that says, you know what, God loves me, and I don't know why this is going on. But because of the love of God, I know that I'm going to come out the other side. Something's going to change. Something is going to be transformed because God loves me. That's the revelation you need to have. And whatever it's going to be, it's going to be good because I have a Father in heaven who cares for me, amen, and he sees a little bit farther down the road and he knows what I need. I don't even know what I need. I just know what I want right now. God loves me. And I can rest in that love. I know someday I'm going to be like him. But right now, not quite. <laughs> See, there's a purifying power in this hope. Our verse 3. And everyone who has this hope in him. What hope? This whole idea of God's love. Purifies himself just as he is pure. And I know we can think about this in a negative context always. You know, it's like, be ready because Jesus is coming back. He can come back at any time. and That's true, amen. But I'll just say this. It's easier to labor under love than it is under the whip. Easier to labor and do what I do because you know what? I got God who loves me. It's a hope that inspires us to continue through all the struggles. Listen, struggles are not a bad thing. Struggles just means you're fighting. You ain't got no struggles. Come talk to me after the service because let me tell you something. You're not living for God. There's struggles in life. There's struggles in doing what is right. There's struggles in living for Jesus. It's like, why is there struggles? Because you're living for God. You're contending. You got your gloves on.
to live in 2020 beholding how you are loved. Romans 8, 5 to 11, but God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been now been justified by his love, blood, excuse me, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this, the reconciliation, amen. How much more can you rejoice in his love? Amen. I want to close with a family who adopted an older child from a horrible orphanage in another country. When they brought her home, they just told her one thing, we expect you to keep your room clean every day. When she heard about that responsibility, she fixated on it, and she saw it as a way she would earn her family's love. Or in other words, she isolated this responsibility and applied it to her existing frame of thinking that she picked up from the orphanage. Every morning when her parents would come into her room, it was literally immaculate. And she would sit on the bed and say, my room is clean. Can I stay? Do you still love me? And what the parents did, they said it broke their heart. It's like, our love for you is not based on a clean room. Whether your room is clean or not, we love you. And yes, you can stay. And yes, you do need to clean your room. <laughs> but you just got to get the order right, okay? We love you, you can stay. And yeah, keep your room clean. Isn't that like God? He loves you. You can stay. <laughs> Just live right. Well, what if I don't? Well, he loves you. You can stay. Just keep it going, okay? Because our salvation, our lives, our perspective is based on you are loved by God. Beloved. Beloved. Amen. Let's bow our heads this evening.